Hello and welcome to a special episode of First Geek for Eleven. I'm your host this week, Cameron Franklin, and with me is my wife, Deanna Franklin. Deanna, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. It's been a decent Monday. Yeah. As uh, when we're recording this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chris could not be here with us this week, um, so we're just going to kind of have a have a short chat and um, kind of just discuss some of the recent stuff that's been going on. And so before we get into all of that, you can find us on social media at one geek 411 on Twitter, Facebook, and our PlayStation community. You can also find us as one ST geek 411 at gmail.com. Um, you can rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play and Spotify, Google podcast and Spotify. I'm doing this from memory versus my notes. And then you can find our show notes at onegeek411.com. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a couple topics this week. Um, it's going to be a little bit different um, than what we've been doing. Um, and so it's kind of just be a bit of a prolonged what we've been up to. And then we're going to have an interview at the end of the podcast um, with a friend of ours who was at PAX Unplugged. And so stick around for that. Mm-hmm. And so with all that in mind... Um, Deanna, what is the big thing that you have been up to recently? Well, um, this past weekend, I got to do something pretty cool that I'd never done before. And that was March in a city parade uh, dressed in Star Wars cosplay with a bunch of other people in Star Wars cosplay. <laughs> um, so... Those of you, like anyone who doesn't know, I am a member of an organization called Rebel Legion. Um, they're basically a group of Star Wars costume enthusiasts it's made up of all volunteers. And they do charity work like Make-A-Wish and hospital visits um, for like kids who are really into Star Wars and things like that. Um, and then they also um, show up at different events and have booths there, like at conventions and things, to help raise money for different charities. Like one of the ones they um, support is called Magic Wheelchair, where they kind of help out kids in wheelchairs and help, and maybe sometimes they'll decorate their wheelchairs or make them look like spaceships or things like that to kind of mm-hmm. like make them feel better about like being kind of stuck in a wheelchair because they can like, well, I can pretend to be flying a next wing or something and they can dress up and stuff. So, um, yeah. And they, uh, and we had a spot in the Dallas holiday parade, um, this past weekend. And so I got to march through downtown Dallas and wave at all the little children who got <laughs> really excited to see all the star Wars people. What were you dressed up as? I was dressed up in my X-Wing pilot costume from A New Hope. Hmm. I'm my own character, but the costume is standard for um, other X-Wing pilots like Luke Skywalker and um, Mm -hmm. Wedge Antilles and people like that in A New Hope. But my helmet's unique to me because I'm my own character. I got to paint it myself, so that's cool. I don't remember you mentioned one of the really cool things about all this is that all of the cosplays are movie accurate. Mm -hmm. And so they're like these crazy, like detailed cosplays. And so it's, it's really cool to see um, as an outsider for me to see this group and they all have really, it's all really in depth. It's all really detailed. And, 
it's really cool to see how all the people um, kind of are able to take that and make it still make it their own, but have um, but have their own like or but have a, a cosplay that actually fits in the world and is accurate and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, most people, their costumes have to be like straight from the movies, especially if you're a face character. But there are some like pilots and Jedi that they have standards, but you can kind of like make your own character from it. Like, like for Jedi, they have like a color palette they're allowed to use and like colors are not supposed to use. So that they're clearly like Jedi or Sith. Mm -hmm. If you use these certain colors, um, things like that, but like stormtroopers and all of them have to be like matching mm -hmm. completely. So, um, but yeah, and they're, you have to submit photos and stuff to get in the group. Um, because sometimes Disney might call upon the groups for different events, uh, locally for things like premieres and stuff. And they can, they, and like, they kind of keep a working relationship so that, um, if they need a bunch of people to show up in costume, they can just call the local chapter and be like, Hey, send your people over here, um, for this thing. So that's another mm -hmm. little perk I've heard people get to take advantage of sometimes, but, um, Yeah. So it was really fun. Um, most kids were excited for Darth Vader because we had one in our group. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, it was just really cute because we're walking down the street. Every like new group you come up to, the kids are like Star Wars, or you just hear Darth Vader like a million times all around you, like these little kid voices. It's just so cute seeing them all excited about it. Like they're some of their favorite characters from the movies. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was exhausting, but yeah. it was worth I think for me, it was worth it. It was a very long day. We were up. We had to be there at six in the morning mm -hmm. um, so we could get there before the roads closed. And while Deanna was doing that, I was off hanging out with her cousin and um, her two kids. Um, and I was playing me a bunch of Pokemon Go because it was a community <laughs> day. And I wanted to get me a Tyranitar and a Dragonite and a um, Metagross specifically. And I mm -hmm. caught a bunch of Shinies and had a bunch of fun doing that too. Now you probably, got real lucky with Pokemon. Yeah, probably not as much fun as being in the parade, but... Yeah, we both benefited from this experience. <laughs> yeah. Being in downtown Dallas, there's a bunch of Pokestops. And so mm -hmm. I was able to, to do a bunch of that. And, and then, um, yeah, so that, like, that's definitely the biggest thing that... I guess we have been up to we're still making our way through daredevil season three um we watched a bit yeah. more of that last night i think chris has been done with it but yeah we kind of got stuck because i got addicted to the great british baking show so that kind of took some of the tv watching time <laughs> as we like binged three seasons over a week or something two. like that it's only two but I need to space out my seasons because <laughs> there's there's at least six, I think. <laughs> they're all ten episodes long and they're each about an hour, so yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's like, I just love how dramatic it is or something. So like we're baking stuff, guys. I love it. It's really entertaining. O oddly entertaining, I think is the way to say it. Yeah. It's one of those things that's definitely like like just seeing how hyped they get when something goes really well or and there's the the joke that's always here you don't want to have a soggy bottom yeah you don't want to have a soggy bottom when you're making pies and like pastry dough and like you don't want all the juices and stuff from the filling to make the bottom soggy 
<laughs> so like we don't want to have soggy bottoms <laughs> but yeah but Daredevil's like this last episode we watched um, some stuff happened and I got like really tensed up because it was so freaky like the fight sequence mm. that was happening and stuff was really intense I was like Oof. they they know how they do fight scenes well in these Marvel shows yeah um, and it's really cool seeing um, in this one where it's Daredevil, it's, a, it's much, I don't want to say it feels more realistic, but it's not as like focused on like Iron Fist kind of falls into the trap of about it's trying to be all about martial arts. Mm, yeah. Daredevil is a lot more of like boxing and close quarters combat in that sense. And yeah, I like that difference in that of like the fighting styles. You can see a clear difference. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. One of the other things that we've been doing recently, and I mentioned this um, in passing on the last episode of the podcast, is that you and I have been playing a board game. Um, mm -hmm. It's called Legacy of Dragonholt. Or more like we started it. Yeah, well, yeah, we started it. Yeah. Um, and so, Deanna, would you give a quick summary of like what the game is about for the listeners? Um, I'll see if I can. Um well, it helps that we watched a video that also explained it. So I have some of that verbiage in my head mm -hmm. of it's a bit like a introduction to role playing games, they called it. Um, and basically, they have a little like manual on how to set up a character like they have a few different races. And then they have like two different types of um, groups within that race. Um, I guess that's a class. Like the type mm -hmm. of gnome is a class or something. Um, yeah. And then they have like the different skills that they have. And then you also pick um, the. Uh, what's the. Or is the class like bard and warrior? Yeah, they're, they're, there's some there's some like normal ones and then they kind of have a twist on them. Like there's um, like instead of fighter, it's duelist or mm -hmm. brawler. It's brawler. Um, and then there's like a thief. There's you're I think you're playing a bard. Mm -hmm. um, there's an alchemist. Um, I don't remember if there's like a normal magic user. Um, but yeah. Um, and so you like have a class you have and then you get to pick skills. And so some of your skills have to be from your class. Other of your skills have to be based on what race you are. Then there's just like a general list of skills that you can pick from. Yeah, so it's like once you pick your race, it tells you the skills along with that race. And then, yeah, the class kind of tells you other skills. So you can kind mm -hmm. of do like a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it has like you pick your name and you can write like a little backstory and some personality traits and um, things like that. So it kind of teaches you how to build a character with a, like I guess a smaller range of options because mm -hmm. I guess D&D &D has a several a few more possibly options yep. you can get even more customized with that but this is kind of like gets you the idea and then um there's kind of like an introductory quest kind of like thing that you mm -hmm. go through it's like a shorter book that leads into the bigger book but it's set up really interestingly where you don't roll dice. You just kind of take turns choosing what you're going to do next. So, like, you come up to an event, and it's just like reading a big storybook of what your characters yeah. are going to do. It's um, very much like a choose-your-own-adventure, where, like, yeah. 
Um, there is like an overarching story. So like our, our, and, it, and it's almost like a, um, at least the, our introductory quest, it's almost more of a, like a coloring book than like a grand narrative. Cause you're going to end up in the same place. You're going to end up at the town. Mm-hmm. But you can but, use, but, yeah, like a coloring book makes sense. Like this yeah. is what it's going to look like, but you can use whatever colors you want, but it's still yeah. going to be the same outline. Yeah. How you're going to get there. Um, and then I think it's going to open up a lot more now that we're in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that beginning portion, it's very much like you're going like you're out in the woods, you're walking through obvious fantasy shenanigans happen. Um, and then you end up in the village and so or the town or whatever. But um, one thing that's kind of cool, you, you were mentioning the decisions. One of the things that I like is that based on like what abilities you have that affects um, what you can choose to do and how you can choose to handle situations. Mm-hmm. And so like, while it's like, you don't die roll, like there's no rolling, but it's like, like our guide, the person who's taking us there was an alchemist or was, it, um, yeah, wasn't out. I think was an alchemist. And I think your character had alchemy as a skill. And so you could actually like ask them about their potions and stuff like that. But I couldn't do that. Yeah. And so I th- it's a really cool like dynamic and way to do it. Yeah. It's like my character has performance. So like I get to do things related to performance sometimes that he doesn't get to because mm-hmm. he doesn't have that skill. Um, so it kind of like depends on who's making the decision. Um, but yeah. And the mechanics of the game are set up really cool because you can like you'll come up to one and it has like a number code with it. And then it'll tell you like either time passes or um like mark off this number and so you have like a paper with a chart on it that you mark off um a certain number of time has passed and i think once you get to yeah. the end of that it's like a day or a certain amount mm-hmm. of time but the main thing is like these little number codes like n1 or something you cross yeah, it I think out it's like it's like a through z then like one through eight and it's a grid yeah, so it's a grid and you mark those out when you've when it tells you to. And then whenever you come up to new decisions, like um you it'll say like do this unless you unless you've already done this, then do this. Mm-hmm. So like if you've already done something, it makes sure you don't like go back and repeat something. Um mm-hmm. or you don't go back and repeat a storyline. I'm guessing those codes have to do with the storyline. Yeah. Um and so one of the yeah. other ways that you see the codes used is if you learned about something, then that means that you might have an advantage in a different situation. And so, like, um, I don't want to get into spoilers if people were to go and play because it is like a choose your own adventure. But it, um, like there's one like one of the things that we had is like we could if we asked our guide a certain piece of information, we got a box checked off and then that helped us about 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, well, if you have this, then you cannot be surprised by this event. You're prepared kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the little booklet is like has numbers like they're like four digit numbers. And so you'll read that little excerpt. And then at the bottom, depending on what uh, decision you make, it'll say um, do this and then go to this number. So then you kind of mm-hmm. have to flip through the little booklet and find the number and then read that bit of the adventure so it kind of has a lot of flipping and reading a lot but Mm -hmm. um it kind of keeps it somewhat entertaining 
because you're like having some kind of action to do, especially because you're not mm-hmm. rolling dice. You're just, that is sort of your rolling dice. It's like someone's flipping pages and yep. reading. So, One of the things that I think is really cool about it is that you could really play it in the car if one person was really comfortable reading in the car. You like could. obviously that's like a, like if people get car sick reading, that's a bad idea. But you could um, because, but yeah, and I, I was talking to a friend on Discord about it, and I mentioned that like, oh, that's really that's a really cool part of it. Like when you're taking because, turns driving, the other person can read. Yeah, and so and we played with just the two of us, but you can play with more people. Um, and one of the mechanics is like if you make a decision, I think it's one. It might specifically require to use one of your skills, or it's just like if you make a decision, um, you have a token that you flip over. And then you don't get to make another decision until everyone else has made it. Everybody else has made one. So it keeps one person from kind of driving the whole plot and just using their skills over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a really cool thing. It, it wasn't a huge deal with just the two of us, but it definitely seems like something that if you get into more players, it'd be really cool to basically make it so everybody else has to role play. Mm-hmm. Um. And one I, things like, yeah. oh, go ahead. Sorry, I like though that with this game is it kind of one of the things that I think is hard for me when like with like when the very little I've tried out role playing games is you have to like come up with what you're gonna do in those. Mm-hmm. But this it just says then you do this. So it's like for someone who doesn't really want to have the pressure of sitting there thinking of trying to come up with something entertaining to do, it's like written for me i guess but i still get to go on the adventure but i don't have to Mm -hmm. have that like added pressure of oh i gotta be entertaining for the rest of the group or i gotta really get into this it's literally Mm -hmm. just kind of taking my little character through it through it on its own which makes it really kind of like a relaxing little activity and less of like a game that you're really trying to like play against each other it's more of just a fun activity Mm -hmm. i would say yeah, they they encourage you not to try to like min max and stuff like that. What's that mean? One of the, um, not try to get the best stats and everything. Ah. Um, and so basically, it's it's a gamer term where you want to have basically the highest minimum, if that makes sense. Like you want the minimum damage you deal to be as high as possible. Mm. Um, and basically, it's in like. A lot of games, it's the idea for it's the idea of having like an ideal party of characters where you want to make sure you have a character that covers another character's weaknesses. Mm. Um, but they kind of encourage you not to do that. Um, and so and it seems because there's no die rolling, dice rolling, it mm-hmm. seems pretty good at that yeah. from what we've played so far. Um, you definitely get rewarded for having a diverse amount of skills, but. Because once you make a decision, you don't get to make another one until everybody else has. Yeah. There is a bit of the like, and and I think it happened once in our play session where there was a thing where I had two choices, but one of them required me to have a skill that you had. Mm. And I couldn't make that choice, obviously, because I didn't have that skill. Mm -hmm. But I I liked that. And one of the things that's cool about about it is it's very much set up to be... um, like short play sessions, but there's a lot of content. Like the video that we watched, it was, I think, Arado runs through. Um, so board game people might recognize the name of that YouTube channel. Um, and one of the things that he, I think he said was it takes, it takes about like 10 to 15 hours to play through the whole game. Um, but it's divided up into pretty short segments. And so like our introduction path to the town of Dragonhold 
was like 45, 50 minutes. And then of course we had to make our characters and stuff like that too, but mm-hmm. that's not part of the actual quest because we have them ready to go for the next time. Then now that we're in Dragon Holt, there's a bunch of other books um, that we can go through. And so there's like a main one for the town. And then there's a um, kind of general one for or, or more specific ones. Sorry. Um, for specific quests that we can go on. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. There's a lot to come back to and um, try to get as many of those story check boxes as possible. And you get items too as you go. Like I think we have a couple of healing potions. Mm-hmm on our characters right now. And um, so there's some pretty cool stuff and it's, it's, we'll hopefully be able to report back and talk some more about it as we get to play a bunch more. Yeah. And I think you can play through it multiple times. Like it'll be a similar story, but like, so whatever your characters have um, skill wise and like type of character, like you could switch up all the skills Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then, um, Maybe if you had a way of, I guess, keeping track of stuff, you could make opposite decisions and then see mm-hmm. what happens. So, like, I think you follow a similar, like, the same, same storyline, but, like, mm-hmm. how you get there is different. So you could yeah. play it multiple times. But it's kind of like when you read a book and you go through it and then you read it again and then you notice things you didn't notice the first time because mm-hmm. you now have the big picture in your head. Yep. So I'm wondering if that's kind of, like, what would happen on a second playthrough with this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that might be cool too um, would be to, to basically to play it and then to give it to somebody else and have them play it. Because mm-hmm. um, it's very much one of those things that you can kind of pass around like that. Yeah. And so um, that might be something that we in, that we look into once we've actually finished. But we obviously rotate you can. It through our through our like little married group friends at church. Yeah. Be like, all right, exactly. We'll just like pass it down every holiday or birthday. It's like we finished it. Next person get next couple gets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, like it's enjoyable. It's really for me as like a, far as games go, it's really relaxing because sometimes I get stressed out trying to mm-hmm. pay attention to everything, and this like you just sit there. It's like read someone reading a storybook to you. And you still get, but you, that you get to interact with a little bit. So it's like, for me, it's a game that I don't have to think too much, which I'm like, I can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle some intricate stuff, but sometimes I just don't want to think much. <laughs> yeah. So. so with that, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion on Legacy of Dragonholt. Encourage you listeners, um, you can go and pick it up. Um, we found it at our friendly local game store, which is Madness. Madness Comics and, you, and Games on Coit Road over mm-hmm. in Plano, Texas. Check him out. <laughs> on Custer. On Custer. Custer. Sorry, the other C, C Street. I was like, is it on? But um, obviously, if Park, you don't have a Parker friendly local game store. Custer or Coit. One of those. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a friendly local game store, you can buy it off of Amazon or Cool Stuff Inc. It's currently going for $47 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you can go and find that out, find that and check it out. A warning that we saw on the video is that they do apparently get into some social justice type stuff. Oh, that yeah. was a warning was like that a they warning. made. We, uh, we haven't encountered any of that, but if you're someone yeah. that their moral compasses aren't quite the same as traditional thinkers, I think is a way to say it. Yeah. The game's so, moral compass isn't the same. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll like, we haven't encountered that yet. And, the 
Rado made it sound like it was there, but it's not like shoved down your throat if it bothers you. I'm pretty comfortable with a lot of that type stuff, so I don't anticipate it being rough. And and I think you're in that a similar boat with that. Yeah, but it, but we'll, everyone's we'll kind, of, kind of yeah, yeah. Everyone's minds kind of handle that type of content very differently. Mm-hmm. I've seen both ends of the spectrum of how yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so, like I said, that warning was just there in the video, so we wanted to share that as people go. And we if you do pass pick that it up, warning along to anyone who's worried about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, what we're going to do now is we're going to have a quick pause, um, and you should hear my interview with Madeline about PAX Unplugged right here. Hey, everyone, I'm back with Madeline, ready to talk about PAX Unplugged. Madeline, how are you doing? Hi, Cameron. I'm good. Thank you. A little tired, but uh, very pleased with my trip. Mm-hmm. I, I assume when you say pleased, that means you avoided the PAX box? I did, which was fantastic because last year about this time I went to Board Game Geek Con in Dallas and got sick on day two. And it's like a five-day con, or at least we made it mm-hmm. a five-day con, so much better. You know, all of the fun, mm-hmm. but sick. Um, also, shout out to the Pax Pox Twitter. That, that's, that's a fun one. <laughs> and so um, before we get into Pax Unplugged, um, one of the things that we like to do whenever we have somebody new on is give them the opportunity to talk about just some of the general stuff that they're geeky about. And so what are some things that, that you are interested in within geek culture? Oh, man. Uh, probably a better question is what am I not interested in? Um, that's how we know you're a good fit. <laughs> I like uh, I like video games. I do more um, narrative story-driven games, really, really mostly indie games. Um, I do... Uh, I watch anime. I've been watching um, Cells at Work and trying to catch up on My Hero Academia this fall. Oh. Um, I think I'm in season two. Yeah, I'm behind in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I read science fiction and fantasy. Uh, currently, I'm reading... Let me pull it up here so I don't tell you wrong. Currently, I'm reading a book called Deep Roots, The Ends of Legacy by Ruthana Emrys. <laughs> um, it's uh, kind of a, it looks back at the, the Lovecraft world, uh, but with a, a much less racist and sexist take on stuff, oh, which is nice. It's always good. <laughs> um, but it's very sympathetic to the people that... Um, like the the people of Innsmouth uh, is hmm. so the, some survivors of the Innsmouth raid are people that are the main characters of this book. It looks at what they do after that, how they try and rebuild, and um, uh, what their very bleak future looks like. So <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It is sad, but it's good. And we know each other through um, Love Clan on Discord, and I think we've talked about like Lovecrafty and stuff on there before. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's yeah. one of those things that's on my, like, I know nothing about it and uh-huh. I'm relatively interested, yeah. but I just like, am completely clueless. There's uh Spotify had a podcast in their, not, not a podcast, but like a playlist in their audio books, um, section. That was a whole bunch of collected Lovecraft. Mm. And that was, um, that was, I guess, kind of where I got like the broadest selection of it probably. It's easier to find stuff there than go out to your bookstore and find it. There's nothing wrong with reading physical books, but I 
it's easier for me to do two things at once sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this, I'm the exact same way. That's why I do podcast stuff. Nice. And so... Um, so you were um, spent this past weekend at PAX Unplugged. Um, for the listeners that might not know, what is uh, PAX Unplugged? So this year was the second year of PAX Unplugged. Uh, I imagine if you're looking, listening to this podcast that you've heard about PAX possibly one or two times in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't, it's Penny Arcade Expo is what PAX and PAX stands for. Uh, and it's started out as a video game convention. Um, and they gradually got more and more uh, board game stuff going on in like a little board game area the library you could go check out games had board game uh, vendors and designers at their shows and last year they had their very first unplugged convention and that was specifically for board games and tabletop rpgs and this was the second year of pax unplugged it was in philadelphia pennsylvania Mm -hmm. i'm jealous you got to go um when I was in Connecticut, like, I mean, of course, Philadelphia isn't that far away, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, but it, the, the first PAX Unplugged was a weekend that I was really busy with church stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was in charge of an event for like 300 people. Oh, there was, there was no getting And away. I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I can leave. Um, but I'm super jealous that you got to go. Um, what was, you, you got to go to PAX Unplugged for kind of a, a pretty cool reason besides just being a, a big board gaming fan. Um, why were you at PAX Unplugged? So one of, the, one of the things I'm involved in is an organization called Love Thy Nerd. Uh, we seek to share the love of Jesus with nerds everywhere, nerds of all stripes. Um, part of the reason we do that is because the church historically has not been great at showing Jesus' love. In fact, they've been outright hostile quite often. Um, we want to change the way the church interacts with nerds and we want to change the way uh, nerds see the church and think about Jesus. Uh, so this was a uh, convention recon, quote unquote, for us. We wanted to go and see uh, kind of what it would look like for our organization since we're new. We just, uh, I believe April is when we launched. Uh, we wanted to kind of look and see what what a convention might look like for Love Thy Nerd. We wanted to see some things that would work for us to do, ways we could minister, look for needs that we could fill. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I know, I'm sure you can't get in too much, but mm-hmm. I, I assume y'all figured out some pretty cool ideas that y'all are am, mulling yeah, over. And- I'm, I'm very pleased with, um, with what we were able to do. And even just as this was a mostly research uh, for us, we were still able to, I feel like just even with like, experimenting with stuff, reach people. Um, and make make friendships and start relationships hopefully that will keep going for a long time so i'm mm-hmm. i'm very excited i know i was really really jealous following like all your pictures that you were <laughs> posting of all the people y'all were getting to talk to and all this stuff and i was like ah, <laughs> ah. um i was super jealous um but so um kind of in, in general, what were some of the really cool things that you saw while you were at PAX? So if if you're part of the Love Thy Nerd community, it's possible you've heard of a game of Dice Throne uh, before. <laughs> I had actually never played Dice Throne. Um, and so I got to demo that for the first time and actually beat the demo, which thanks, Dan, no hard feelings, I promise. Yeah, it always feels good. <laughs> um, that, was, that was fun. Um, I got to see... Looking back at my referencing, um, one of another ministry that I'm not directly involved with, I'm more a part of their like online community is called In- Inroads Ministries. And they focus on board gaming and tabletop RPGs. Um, the guy that heads it up is named Mike Perna, and he has a persona that he uses in a lot of his um, 
online role playing as well as uh, for one of his podcasts called Bard and Bible. And he plays a dwarf bard there. And so I actually got to make him a uh, dwarven helmet at beard combo. I crocheted. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't know that that was what that was for. <laughs> I crocheted it and then I put a little uh, floofy dwarf or not dwarf, floofy dwarf. I said it again. Floofy bard feather <laughs> in the top. Um, and it, it turned out really well. I was very pleased. And so he wore that on Saturday and Sunday and went around asking people for their stories, whether something that was poignant uh, that happened in their life, something awesome, something silly. Um, and he said he collected a ton of stories, even just like at the hotel lobby, leaving to mm-hmm. go to convention. Um, and then on Sunday, he had uh, blessing cards for games and for, for dice um, that were designed. One of them, at least, was designed by our mutual friend, uh, Stephanie Skiles. Um, really, mm-hmm. really gorgeous. Really, really neat. Um, I got to demo some games. Um, one that I got to demo that's new this year is called Trap Words. Um, it's a little bit like a dungeon crawler um, taboo. Uh, you have, you okay. have a word that you're getting your teammate to try to guess, but there are certain words that you can't say in trying to get your teammate to guess that word. So the opposite team will say, all right, Madeline's word is uh, sail, that she's trying to get this person to guess. So we, we're not going to let her say boat. We're not going to let her say ocean. We're not going to let her say cloth. We're not going to let her say wind. And so I have to think about what the obvious choices are or what maybe that they would think that I would say. And I have to use very, very different words. Mm -hmm. So I think what I said was think of the largest uh, gathering of H2O you can. Um, A means of transportation across that uh, by changes in heat in air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the that one was probably the hardest one for me to guess. That's a, does does the other team you, like you're saying the other team gets to choose the words yes, you can't yes, say? Yes, and I don't know them. So wow, so, yeah. So that there, and so I have to like bleh, hope and pray. Uh, but if but if I get my teammate to guess the word, then we get to advance another room forward in this little uh, card dungeon that's on the table. <laughs> and each dungeon room, there's sometimes um, like curses on the dungeon, so like. You can only say nouns to give your clue, or uh, you have to say your clue all in one breath, or your time is cut in half. Um, neat stuff like that. And that's Trap Words? Trap Words is that game, and that's from uh, Check Games. Okay, sweet. I'm pulling up links <laughs> as we're talking about nice. things, just so I can remember to put them in our notes yeah. later. Because... Um, um, that's, I mean, one of the things that I like to do Excellent. is include things there for listeners that are cool. Um, is there anything oh, else I mean, uh, stuff? that really stood out to you? Um, oh, good. I probably came home with close to three or four hundred dollars worth of games. Um, it <laughs> my favorite, probably my favorite game that I played at the con was called Someone Has Died. Um, if think of if you're familiar with the game, um, Super Fight, uh, where uh, you have mm-hmm. kind of a mishmash of all different aspects of famous people or famous monsters. Um, Someone Has Died is uses kind of that same mechanic of random matching, uh, but it puts it in a story form, and I really liked that. The idea is that everyone 
who's at the table uh, has come to the table because they were related to a person that has died. Kind of the, the GM is the, the lawyer arbitrating the will, and this is the will reading, and everyone is making a case for why uh, they should receive the money. Um, so my character that I got, you have a, an identity, uh, how you're related to the person that's died, and two background cards at the first round. And so I was a super fan girl. Uh, that was this person's housekeeper. Uh, I don't know. I was a super fan girl that had killed this person's iguana. Um, I was, I was their housekeeper and something else. Anyway, I didn't win, unfortunately, but it was, it was a ton of fun and it really lends itself very well to role-playing so if you want to role-play in more than just a a D campaign that's a fun mm-hmm. one to check out and is it like are your backstories all that is that secret or like is that just you or is it public um, like face up cards so as you're telling like making your presentation on the first round do you um play your cards face up so that everybody else can see because uh in the second and third round, second round, the lawyer arbitrator will ask you questions about your backstory and give you another backstory card that you have to include. And then the mm. third round, the other characters will ask you questions about stuff uh, to try and stump you. Or oh, okay. you. And if you do good on your presentation, then you get objection cards that you can throw in other people's in the middle of stories to, to mess them up. Like uh, I posted a video of um, my editor, Drew Dixon, doing a Wall Street um, a Wall Street money man uh, with a lovely New York accent. And I had an objection card that says, has peanut butter in your mouth. So I played the peanut oh. butter card on him because he was doing so good with the accent. And he couldn't figure out how to do peanut butter in, in Wall yeah, Street. So like on their website, the objection that they get is you're speaking mm-hmm. with a fake accent. So that, that's pretty cool. So it's like the you have to kind of mm-hmm. do what this card mm-hmm. says. That's yep. the idea of them. Um, another game, probably my second favorite game that I saw there is called, um, Chronicles of Crime. Um, basically the board game is kind of a console and you have multiple different crimes that you will investigate as a team of investigators. Um, every card has a QR card, QR code on it. Um, so you'll scan the code on a location You'll scan a code on the person's card that's there, and then you can ask them questions through the app on your phone. Hmm. Um, you can search for clues in the location um, by holding up your phone and kind of turning it around like one of those 360-degree um, pictures, and you'll call out everything that you see at the crime scene, and um, then you get those as clues. You pull out the clue cards for those, and then you can scan the QR codes for those and get a little bit more information about what you saw, find out if it's relevant or not. Um, if you've ever played the game Time Stories, uh, this reminded me of that, except without all of the programming that you mm-hmm. have to do in Time Stories. This person goes here, this person goes here, then we do this, then we do this. Um, in this one, it's much more like a cop drama. Mm. Um, and so, and I liked it because you don't, it's not like the all or nothing mission. Um, it'll ask you several questions at the end and um, you can get, some or all of those right and it would give you percentage like we got 67 out of 100 on the one that we played and i was happy with that because we got the, the questions that i cared about we got right so, so. you had your own objective was complete <laughs> yeah so it's like is that is it kind of like um you said like time stories so there's like modules type things like modular yes. stories 
Yeah. So the base game comes with five, five scenarios. Um, you can get little uh, glasses you can actually put over your phone, um, similar to, I don't know, they look like little fold-out spectacles, but then you can use your phone almost like a, a VR device then to look around if you prefer that versus just looking with the 360 degree. <laughs> um, and they've already got in the app um, like several more grayed out scenarios that you can't buy yet, but they're dated like which quarter in 2019 they're coming out. So that's, that's really awesome. sweet. Mm-hmm. Why don't you um, give us one more game um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, this is like picking your like favorite kid. It's like the... <laughs> Okay, so if you listened to this podcast before, it's also you possible that you've heard of um, some collectible card games being discussed. And I bought my very first collectible card game at uh, this con. Which one? It wasn't Magic. Uh, it was, sorry. Uh, this is Light Seekers. Um, this card game I liked because I've, I've played a lot of deck builders, um, just mm-hmm. like one time deck builders. Um, and this reminded me of a lot of the same mechanics in there. And uh, you can scan every card and upload it into your profile in your phone. And then you can play with your deck online with your friends Oh, that's as really well. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the art on it is really neat. Um, it kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know, like League. A lot of the same, a lot of the heroes in League, the same kind of style as the, hero, the heroes in Lightseekers. Um in particular, the water deck is really funny art, like a fighting starfish and a anti-gravity snail. And there's an wacky, anti-gravity yeah, snail. Yeah, all kinds of wacky stuff. Um, oh man, I'm looking at these cards right now, <laughs> and I'm kind of distracted. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was. You brought this up. I, it is my fault. <laughs> I was distracted enough to buy it, so I. Yeah. I like it quite a lot. So, oh man, I'm so this, this is great. I came I came um, home with enough cards that I don't have to buy any booster packs anymore. But this this is the way of things with collectible card games. So we'll see. All right. Yeah, that looks like a blast. Um, so with that, Madeline, it was great having you on. Um, if our listeners are interested in in your work or Love Thy Nerd in general, where can they find you and find what you're up so to? So for Love Thy Nerd, you can find us at uh, lovethynerd.com. That has links to both our Facebook page. We also have a Facebook group, Love Thy Nerd Community. Um, they are separate. Um, you can also find us um, through the website. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, personally, you can find me on Twitter at mad underscore seed. Um, I tweet mostly stuff that I'm publishing or that, that we're publishing there. It's not really my personal use. The, um, the shameless self Exactly. Only for business. Um, I'm also a member of the Discord uh, with Cameron. We are in one called Love Clan. You can find us at loveclan.net. Um, welcome nerds of all stripes to come and talk about what you're doing, what you're geeking out about, um, as well as provide a positive place um, for everyone mm-hmm. to come on the internet. Um, what else do I do? Uh, I'm in a group called Game Chat, where it's a video game book club. Um, you can find us at thegamechat.net. Um, we record every week about games we're playing and post it up as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um and shout out, you can go and find an interview with Steph about that in episode 68 Excellent. of the podcast. Do that. Um, 
that's that's probably good enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Again, thank you so much um, for taking the time to be here and chat. Um, I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. And we're back. Um, really hope that was a great interview because it hasn't been recorded yet. And so um, if you want, um, hopefully Madeline gave you some contact information and you can reach out to her um, and some more about, um, I think she'll talk about Love Thy Nerd and that kind of stuff. And then that's pretty much all that we have planned for this week. We're kind of holding out, waiting for the Captain Marvel trailer to drop, but it yeah, we might hasn't catch, happened yet. We might catch that on the next one, but if, like, if it's supposed to drop, we at least have a week to like process it. <laughs> yeah. And really analyze it good. So, and maybe we can get some feedback from some people on our social media about it. See what you guys think. And maybe we'll mention it when we analyze it. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Uh, you're, um, feel free to tweet at us. And um, since this will be a shorter episode, we might get it out a little bit earlier um, than normal. So we might, people might have a little bit more time for feedback, but um, let us know. Um, as always, you can reach out to us through our podcast social media, which is one geek 411 on Twitter, Facebook, and our PlayStation community. You can send us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. You can subscribe and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we read five-star reviews on the air. And then you can check out our show notes with the links to the stuff that we talk about. We'll try to throw a link to Legacy of Dragonhold and Rebel Legion. Um, in the descriptor for this or the show notes for this episode. Yeah. Um, and then all the stuff that Madeline mentions, we'll try to get in there too. Um, and then you can reach out to us on our personal social media accounts. Mine is Humar Whittle. I'm Deanna790 and Chris is at not so foreign. And it's been a great week. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>